So today we're going to be talking about the difference between safety and courage and how they are connected. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, we're big believers in, um, I mean, certainly we're big believers in mental health treatment. Um, you know, we, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if, uh, if we didn't think that, you know, psychotherapy was effective in, in helping people. But I think we both are also, we're rooting for more preventative uh, types of approaches. And one of the things that we can do, I think, as mental health professionals is um, do some myth busting uh, for our culture. Just sometimes our culture, we just got some weird, uh, incorrect ideas about how people work and, and uh, what helps them to change. And, um, and there is, does seem to be a cultural myth uh, surrounding safety and courage. And I'm wondering if we could maybe just talk a little bit about, um, I guess, just the context surrounding this conversation about safety and courage. You want to start with me? Uh, or or I'll start either way. Um, either way. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, a, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll start and I'll set you up, okay? So okay. you can talk a little bit more about this. But because I, um, I have some ideas, but they're kind of blunt and I think without context. You're gentle. Okay. Yeah. Context. It yeah, might we'll, it might sound like a witch. Yeah. So. Great. I'll have to round off her sharp edges here. This is this is great. Um, no. So. Uh, Obviously, we're having a, a big, um, some people call it an epidemic, and they've got stats to back that up, uh, you know, a, a, an epidemic of anxiety and depression um, that's popped up particularly among young people. And of course, there are many, many explanations for why this is happening. Uh, the influence of social media has been kind of the oft-quoted uh, thing there, and maybe we could do some conversation about social media in the future. Ooh, um, that's a good idea. Yeah, let's, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll stick a pin in that. Um, but... You know, related to, you know, it's a complex problem. And so it would be unreasonable for us to just, you know, lay all at the feet of TikTok or, or Instagram or something like that. Um, but uh, another thing that seems to be making a contribution to this is a truly unscientific, just patently untrue idea about anxiety. Um, anxiety in particular, and you know, depression, maybe this is another uh, conversation for another time. But it, it's something like this that, um, well, anxiety in and of itself is is bad it's and pathological. Bad. And stay away um, from it. To, to quote Paul Rasmussen, you know, like emotions are not diseases. Um, but sometimes, you know, culturally, if you listen to people talk about anxiety, they, we, we talk about it like it's a disease. So there's that. But then in addition to that, we have this cultural idea that the solution to anxiety is safety. And um, this isn't just like, you know, I, I know that when I'm saying this, maybe what's getting conjured up in your mind is like the purple haired uh, Gen Z college student who's like begging for a safe space. But it's just as much the like uh, frantic, anxious mom who doesn't want her kid to scrape their knee mm -hmm. or the, I don't know, uh, well-meaning uh, evangelical parent who doesn't want their child corrupted by the evils of the world and so claims this place of safety by only allowing them to watch PG movies, which I'm not making a comment about whether kid what like what movies kids should be able to watch. But or even coming down to being afraid of a spider. Yeah. Being or like afraid of spiders. Yeah. It, it, it's not, I mean, I know that there's kind of like yucky culture war stuff going on right now that, and so maybe this conversation will end up getting co-opted by uh, one or both ends of the culture war. And I would just want to make clear up front, like this is not at all what we mean. We have no interest in culture war. We don't want to be part of culture war. We find that to be pretty 
uh, damaging and maybe again maybe there's another video we can do about that but you just want um, to understand the basic principle of it that way you can apply it to other scenarios yeah. in your life so now to, I guess I, I want to set that up so I'm, I'm making this statement that it is fundamentally unscientific and untrue to say that the solution to anxiety is safety and for some of you you might be a little bit confused and I don't think that that's because you're dumb I think uh, this is a, a little bit complicated and so I'm wondering if you could spell this out a little bit for folks well like we care about safety let's lay that out there we do mm. care like if you're in an mm. abusive relationship right or your house is on fire like yes yeah, safety first like please safety first uh, but in general, we're talking about not those like kind of outliers of extreme things because that's not happening every single day to, to most of us. Thank God. Uh, it's mostly, how I put this, just we want something in our life, but we're too afraid to do something about it. So we retreat because that's safer. It's a, it's a safety in the sense of like, it's, yeah, it might suck and it might feel miserable, but it's since our bodies naturally, when we have anxiety, our bodies are saying, uh, Lindsay, Calvin, what the hell are you doing? Like, we don't go running for five miles. What are you doing? Is trying to keep you safe. Like, I, I like that. Um, but often what it ends up looking like is we're taking the easy way out with safety, um, not making any movement. Well, and, and I would just add to this that there is a kind of um, reinforcing quality to safety, meaning that let's say that I am, well, to go back to your uh, comment about spiders, right? Um, Which we both had experience yeah, I mean, being afraid of I, I spiders. I say this as, as somebody who, I mean, I'm not like arachnophobic. There was a time in which I was arachnophobic, and I don't mean in the way that, you know, most people are like, oh, yeah, like spiders freak me out. I'm arachnophobic. I was, I was like legitimately like I met clinical criteria for a phobia of spiders. Um, so the idea, right, let's say that I operated on for a long time is like, OK, spiders are scary. Uh, they're going to hurt me. I had all these. I mean, if I told you the ideas that I had about spiders they were pretty unhinged and, and, and wild. Um, but I had those these thoughts, and then so then I would see a spider, right? And here are the choices: I either got to kill it or I got to run away. But those are the only ways in which I felt like, okay, this is how I'm going to deal with my anxiety. So then, let's say I kill it or I run away, and then of course nothing catastrophic happens to me. You know, there's no spiders laying eggs in my mouth, and I'm you know, baby spiders crawling out of my mouth, or you know, um, nasty spider bites that I have to go to the hospital for, or anything like this. And so then what happens is my body says, whew, thank goodness you ran away from that spider, or that uh, you killed that spider, because otherwise that would have happened. And so now the frightening idea that I have about spiders gets even more solidified, and, and it's like concrete that's just setting. And um, so there's that aspect to it, too, that um, it's not so much that we're anti-safety. It's just that safety is a poor solution to anxiety. And it's not just that it doesn't fix anxiety. It makes it worse. And we have decades and decades of research to back this up, that um, when we retreat from the things that we are anxious about, we get more anxious about whatever those things are that we're uh, pulling away from into some level of safety. Um, now, uh, there probably is a little bit more that we need to say about safety. So, um, I was thinking of another example, actually. Like okay, one that One that we get as therapists a bunch, um, it's like homebound or homeschool or mm -hmm. virtual school mm -hmm. because their kid feels really anxious going into school. And by and large, we're okay if there's a time limit on it. But generally how we feel about it is like, is it going to give them the message that we don't think they can handle those challenges of school? Okay, yeah, so there's like a discouraging message yeah. behind it. And, and if we translated that discouraging message into words, what, like what would it, how would it read? You can't handle it. You can't do it. Mm -hmm. So you're right. You probably should stay home, you know? 
uh, and that's not what we want. Yeah. We're trying to move people into forward action. <laughs> well, and this is, um, you know, I, I'm reminded of research on attachment that's been done. And um, uh, when we're talking about parents and like what we would want them to 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 be for a child, uh, for a secure attachment, we want them to be, uh, there's two phrases, a safe haven and a secure base. And when we set our eyes really just on like, okay, I'm anxious and therefore I have to get safe, what we do, and I'm not talking so much about children and parents, but I'm talking about these ideas of safe haven and secure base. All we do is we say, okay, this is my safe haven. This is where I can go and I feel like I'm okay. And this is of course not a bad thing. It's just that it's half the equation because secure base What's, what that implies is that you move out from the base. You go away from the base. And then you, there's a sense, oh, and I can return here and be safe. And then I can go out and then I can return and I can go out and I can return. And this is, of course, how we end up treating phobias, actually. So phobias, um, in one sense, they're hard to treat because it's uncomfortable. But uh, our treatment for phobias is extremely effective. Like the, It's really among all mental disorders that we look at, um, if we're talking diagnostically, they are the most treatable. We have incredibly high success rates in treating phobias. And so um, what we do in essence is we expose people to willing, willingly, voluntarily, yeah, we expose them consent. <laughs> to, uh, to the things that they're frightened of. And then what we do is we, then we help them calm down. So we, we go safe haven, secure base. And so we, now we move out from move out from that and we engage with the frightening thing and then we come back and help them calm down and then we engage with the frightening thing and then we calm down and it's this back and forth that actually over time reduces this anxiety and all of that movement courage courage courage, courage. okay yes and so this is this is really our contention is that the solution to anxiety is not safety although safety is not inconsequential but it's not a solution to anxiety the solution to anxiety is courage and can you just talk a little bit about what we mean when we say courage? Because maybe people have some certain idea about what that well, is. You might have a different idea than me. But when, the first thing I think of when I think of courage, it's like it's it, it's activity and movement. It, it there is no there is no um, there is no courage without movement. That's what I'm trying to say. Sorry, I lost my brain. The definition that I usually go by is it's like your your willingness and the amount of actions you're willing to take uh, to make movement to face life's challenges. Um, and it's it's more wordy than you you feel afraid and you do it anyway because that's kind of reductionistic and I don't think that that, that fits as much as your willingness and then the actions you're going to take um, to go there. Like you can't, you're not gonna get anything if you don't pursue anything. Like yeah. It's like the bottom line is like you have to make movement anything for anything to change. But people like to stay safe, us included. We have yeah. done this because our brains with the fear and anxiety, it's purposeful. What it does is it tells our bodies, yeah, you might be miserable, but at least you know what's going to happen. It's predictable. It's a predictable suck. At least you know who's going to talk to you, how they're going to respond to you, how your day's generally going to go. Let's just stay here. If I don't have the courage to having the courage to be happy, that's really hard. That's really hard because you don't know what the hell your life's going to look like when you start to be happy. People are going to treat you differently. Maybe there's no expectations. So it's like I get why we retreat back into safety, and I'm just not going to deal with it. Um, but that you're not going to get anywhere. If you don't make mistakes, you're not going to grow. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a, a nice way of thinking of it where there is this kind of acceptance of, hey, I don't have control of the outcome, um, but I'm, I like your focus on willingness here, but I'm willing to 
make a try anyways. I'm, yeah. I'm willing to step out in some level of confidence. I'm reminded of that great scene in, um, in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, it's, if you haven't seen the film, there's like this amazing, amazing scene where he gets to this huge chasm and somehow he has to cross the chasm in order to find the Holy Grail. And uh, he just looks down and, you know, hundreds of, you know, or if not thousands of feet to the bottom of this cabin, uh, this chasm. And he's unsure about what to do. And I believe there's some inscription in his father's journal or something that says um, something about, about faith. And so what he does, he, he lifts up his leg uh, kind of like this and then just and just leans forward. And sure enough, he, he finds this that it's actually solid rock that's been painted so that it you know looks invisible. Um, but there really is something there. And I think that that's that's a great picture of courage. It's not just about I mean, I guess we could say like, OK, Indiana Jones, like, you know, he's kind of this fantastical hyper masculine character or whatever. Uh, and so maybe that plays into some kind of stereotype of courage. But I'm just looking at the action itself as being courageous, that uh, he's unsure of how it's going to go, but he takes a risk anyways, um, moving towards. Um, and if we think about this in kind of like an archetypal way, like he's seeking after the thing of infinite value, the Holy Grail. And if, this is also how he's going to save his father uh, in the film. And so it's like this very, um, you know, meaningful thing. So uh, I guess I don't want to like gild the lily here and say more than we need to say about this. But it is to say this, that if you are anxious about things in life, um, first of all, fair enough, anxiety is a fundamentally normal condition for human beings. Um, the existential uh, psychotherapists really understood this. They said that we make our anxiety worse by giving people the idea that anxiety is somehow bad or abnormal. Um, so it's, then you're not just anxious, but you're anxious about being anxious. Um, it's so helpful. That's it, literally it, it how is. We back, have in to the, have it. back in the caveman days, you get to the edge of a cliff. It's like, ooh, that's high. My heart is racing fast. So you don't die. Yeah. Like we need it. And that's what happens. We get this energy that comes up and it's it feels like panic almost, but that's usually a good sign. I usually tell my clients, if you hit a moment of panic, then like big change could happen mm -hmm. if you choose to make movement. Because mm -hmm. that's you saying, like, what is going on in my life right now is not okay. I do not like the status quo of this. Something mm -hmm. has to change right now. Mm -hmm. And typically, you know the answer. You know the answers. Yeah, and I, I so I just wouldn't want folks to think that it is abnormal to feel anxious. Um, really where anxiety becomes problematic is not that we feel it. it it's simply a feeling. When it becomes problematic is when we are discouraged uh, in our anxiety, meaning that we withdraw from the things that life asks of us. Um, uh, and I'm reminded of Alfred Adler's life task here that, OK, we have to work, meaning you have like basically don't be a mooch. You know, you got to contribute. There are some things that human beings have to do and you've got something to contribute. And so you and you need to contribute it. So that's that's one thing um, we have to somehow get along with other people friendship he called this the social task we have mm -hmm. to figure out how to make and maintain friendships and then uh we have to develop some loving relationships some intimate relationships with other people and um that's really what life asks of us and you know what anxiety doesn't have to get in the way of that uh you can be anxious about uh some tough conversation or relationship you're having at work and still go to work and i'm, I'm not saying that to minimize the reality or the power of the emotion but um, that is really, that's the meaningful distinction in life. It's not like, how am I feeling? It's what am I doing? Um, 
and of course, what, how we feel, it impacts what we do. But uh, this is why we want to orient people away from looking for safety, which is how can I make this feeling stop and more towards courage with I'm feeling this. Now, what would I like to do about it? And maybe maybe what you want to do about it is retreat to a safe place. And you know what? Okay, fair enough. But you don't do that with the idea that somehow that is ultimately solving your anxiety, number one. And number two, you uh, you do it understanding that there's a cost. And I'm not, I'm not here to say that that cost is so high that therefore you shouldn't do it. This is not my this is not our message to you about anxiety or courage or anything like that. It's simply that we we would want for our culture to have uh, an basically an what we're trying to do is to establish an informed consent process where yeah. you would understand what it means and what it is going to do to you to retreat into safety. It will it will help you feel better for a short time. If you do that in perpetuity without also moving out in courage, it will make you more and more afraid. And I would like for people in our culture to know that that's the reality. And so then and then you make whatever choices you're going to make, but you make them with open eyes, um, knowing, uh, first of all, that there are that you can move forward. Like we I don't even know who I'm speaking to personally, but I have I have confidence that you can move in courage. And maybe that's like a little, you know, maybe you move an inch toward the spider. Okay, what that's movement and courage. Um, so I want you to know that uh, that you have that in you. You can do that. Uh, and then also, you know, just that, uh, yeah, that courage actually does, we can say scientifically, moving forward toward the things that we are afraid of. Um, if we do that scientifically, that is what ends up pushing your anxiety down and helping you to become a less uh, frightened person. And honestly, when you stay inside in safety, what you're really doing, I tell my clients this, you're living, let's say the spider example, you're living against the world. You're living against spiders. You're letting the spiders dictate what you do with your life. Mm. And that's just kind of a weird example, but you can apply that to other things that just mm -hmm. don't do that. Yeah. Live for and with. Yeah. Yeah. Not against. Okay. Well, uh, I think if we say more, I think we are going to gild a lily. So we'll leave it at that. Um, but of course, uh, as always, we'll put a contact form in the description. Um, so if you have questions or follow-ups or whatever, you let us know and we'll, uh, you know, we'll make another video, take as much time on this as we need. Also, please hit subscribe. Um, so that, you know, sometime in the next 25 years, maybe we can make like, maybe YouTube will like pay us 25 cents or something for our work. Um, so yeah, hit subscribe and, uh, please share the video as well. Thanks so much.